This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor at The Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, flying amid the pandemic. Should we be getting on airplanes to visit loved ones or just a vacation? Sarah Feldberg is here. She's assistant features editor at The Chronicle, and she's been looking closely at the tension over flying. Sarah, nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Now, I say see you because we're looking at each other over a Slack call. We're not actually in the same room. Of course. Congratulations. I know you had a, a baby recently. I did. Yeah, in November. Thanks. So, Sarah, why did you write this story? It, it was personal, right? Yeah. I mean, it really comes back to that baby. Um my parents and my husband's mom are both on the East Coast, and they want time with the grandkid, and we want to give them time with her. Um, and we don't get these early months back in her life. Um, so we've been thinking a lot about whether or not it's safe for us to travel East with the baby this year um, and how we would do that to to have a little family time. So. Tell me about the decision making for you. Tell me, you know, what did you go through when you were trying to decide? Yeah, I mean, I would say we're still trying to decide, really. Um, we've been thinking about what the risk is to the baby, um, and that feels pretty good. We've, you know, we've seen data that young kids are not as affected by the coronavirus as other populations. But mostly we've been thinking about the risk to our parents. They're all in their 70s, um, which makes them in a higher risk demographic. And I just can't imagine anything worse than bringing the coronavirus to them and having them get very sick or even die from it. So that's been weighing heavily on us. Um, and we're still sort of grappling with how we make the decision to fly and see them or, or not. And have you considered driving? Did you say they were on the East Coast? We have not considered driving. Um they are on the East Coast, and it's it's a long drive to Boston from San Francisco, especially with a six-month-old in the backseat. So I think driving is probably out of the question for us, but for hardier people, driving is definitely a safer option. Okay, so as you started to report this story, what kinds of people did you speak to? Um, did you find people that were also uh, grappling with some of the same questions? Yeah, absolutely. So I put out a call on Twitter and asked for people to message me. And I got all kinds of emails and Twitter messages from people in the Bay Area who are really trying to make these same decisions. Um, I heard from uh, a man who lives in Berkeley, whose grandmother was very ill, and he was hoping to go home and to spend some time with his parents. Um, and actually, in the time that I was reporting the story, his grandmother actually passed away. And he really decided that he couldn't make the trip home to Tennessee, even to be with his parents and to mourn with them during this time. Um, wow. I also talked to people who wanted to travel for for happy and fun reasons. Um, I talked to a woman who lives in San Francisco who had a baby in May in the midst of the pandemic. And her parents were planning to fly in from Colorado to be present for the birth. And they decided that was too dangerous and ended up making the trip by car. Wow. And then I guess you if you take the trip by 
Cara, you don't have to quarantine either, right? Yeah. I mean, there is some risk driving um, and especially, you know, you're making stops for bathrooms to pump gas at restaurants, maybe to spend the night in a hotel. Um, But those stops bring you into contact with relatively few people for relatively short periods of time. So the person to person risk of transmission is significantly lower than spending six hours on an airplane next to a stranger. Okay, well, let's get to the airlines. You started to look into to what's going on. First of all, before we get to sort of the steps that are being taken, do we know anything about probability if you take a flight, whether you might uh, contract coronavirus? We really don't know. That's a great question. I wish I wish I had some sort of stat to give you for that. Um, we really don't know. Uh, I don't think the airlines have done that kind of tracing of people who've flown to see whether or not they've contracted the virus on the flight. Um, what we do know is that uh, the risk goes up depending on how many people are around you, um, how careful those people have been, whether or not they're wearing masks, um, and the and the length of the flight as well. I think we know that um, the time of exposure also is a factor. So the same things that impact the level of risk and the probability of infection in other scenarios, whether it's a restaurant or a grocery store or an office building, those are the same questions that would affect the risk of transmission on a flight. Nonetheless, I mean, we've been talking about going to see loved ones, even in a situation where a parent or a grandparent needs you. But a lot of people are still just taking vacations, right? I mean, they're going to Tahoe, they're going to New Orleans, et cetera. Yeah. In general, air travel is down, although it's starting to come back up a little bit. Um, the the number of passengers through TSA checkpoints was down 90% in May over since like compared to 2019. So we know that people have been staying home. But um, in June, that that figure is going down. More people are traveling and people are starting to take summer vacations. They've been sheltering in place for a long time schools are done and they're anxious to get out of their homes. Um, And so some people are traveling just for fun. And I think that's part of the tension here where you have some people who, you know, really have serious reasons to visit loved ones and family and they're having a really hard time making this decision. And then you have other people traveling just for leisure and just for fun who are hopping on planes. And the more people in the seats, the higher the risk is for everyone. We've seen some pictures of, of, full flights. And I know you had had mentioned that, that that might not mean that all of a sudden everyone is is packing into airplanes. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think there's a little bit of confusion there. And we have seen pictures on social media of full flights that seems pretty shocking right now when you think about the fact that fewer people are traveling. But 2,500 passenger planes have been grounded. It's 40% of the U.S. passenger fleet. So you know, where there might be normally four different schedules going from two given cities um, in a day, now it's down to one flight. So even though less, fewer people are traveling, there are also fewer flights to accommodate them. Um, And different airlines are taking different approaches to capacity. Most airlines are trying to cut capacity, um, but some of them have said they're blocking middle seats entirely, whereas United, for example, they're prioritizing window and aisle seats, but they're not saying that they won't sell middle seats altogether. Um, so you could be on a totally full flight and um, 
and and not really realize it. Um, they've start one of the things they've started to do to let people know because I think we saw, as you mentioned, tweets and photos from people who showed up at their flight and went, "Wait a second, I thought there was going to be an empty seat here." Um, and so United is letting people know 24 hours in advance if more than 70% of the tickets on the flight are sold. And then if you want to change to a different day or a different flight, you can make that decision. Okay, Sarah, I want to take a break uh, quickly. This is Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bolwa, and we have Sarah Feldberg, a features editor, talking about flying during the pandemic. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Welcome back. This is Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. Uh, Sarah Feldberg is with us, a features editor. So Sarah, we're talking about flying during the pandemic. We talked about how some people really want to see loved ones, even some that, that they may not be able to see again. Others are starting to vacation. Um, I want to ask you about precautions. Uh, we talked about the airlines. Um, what? First of all, what are the airlines doing? What steps are they taking? And do they vary or is there one uniform standard? There is some variance. I think most of the airlines are taking generally the same precautions, but the level of adherence um, and the details of how they're implementing those precautions vary somewhat. Uh, the first things that they're doing is they are cutting capacity. Most of the airlines um, are either cutting capacity or they're letting you know if the flight is more full than, say, 70%. Some of the airlines, JetBlue and Delta, for instance, have blocked middle seats entirely. So unless you are traveling with someone um, who wants to sit next to you in your own party, you won't be sitting next to a stranger. They're cleaning the airlines very rigorously, and they've started new decontamination practices in between flights. They're um, practicing social distancing during boarding and boarding from the back of the plane so you don't walk by a bunch of full seats on the way to your seat on the airplane. Um, and then the biggest thing they're doing is they've started requiring face masks. And this is the experts that I spoke to said this was the single most important precaution is that every single person on the plane wear a face mask for the entire flight, with the exception of, say, having a quick snack or grabbing a drink of water. Yeah, and it seems to become an expectation because we've we've seen like videos, social media posts where there's tension on flights. And it seems like a lot of it is around mask wearing, isn't it? Yeah, I think. As we've seen sort of elsewhere in our public lives, mask wearing has emerged as this sort of political, politicized uh, stance and practice rather than just a public safety behavior. Um, we have seen photos on social media of people on flights not wearing masks. The airlines, I think in starting really this week, this past week, have taken some more serious measures to enforce mask wearing. Um some of them have said that if you don't wear a mask on a flight, you could be restricted from travel on that airline or banned from the airline for a certain amount of time. Some of the airlines are denying boarding to people who refuse to wear masks. So I think they are cracking down a little bit on the enforcement and trying to be a little more rigorous with the mask restrictions. If you are going to fly, what should you do? Um, I personally like to drink 
like 19 cups of coffee when I fly. It's, I think it's, it's wonderful. I like to have it in the, at, you're shaking your head. I, I like to have it at the gate. I like to have many cups on the flight, but it presents problems, right? Yes. No more coffee for you. Um, yeah. One of, one of the things that experts suggest is to avoid the airplane bathroom. So you're not going to want to drink 19 cups of coffee. Um, that's a small enclosed space with a lot of surfaces that many people are touching. So that's pretty much a no-go zone if you can avoid it. Um, you want to, you know, do everything you can to minimize contact with other people and minimize touching surfaces that are going to be high touch areas. So that means bringing a carry on bag. So you keep it in your possession the whole time. It means bringing lots of hand sanitizer with you to the airport and using it liberally in between lots of different activities. It means bringing your own snacks and water bottle for the plane, um, bringing alcohol wipes to clean off the area around your seat. Um, And it means things like trying to book a window seat if possible. So you just have less contact with people around you, fewer people um, in the seats around you. If you can afford to fly business class or first class, great, do it. That's probably safer because you'll have fewer passengers nearby. And that even extends to the drive to and from the airport, right? Yeah, absolutely. The same principles apply really to the whole process from the second you leave your front door to whenever you arrive. You really want to take those same precautions, keep your mask on, clean your hands. If you're going in and out of an Uber, clean your hands as soon as you get out. If you're taking BART, the same. Um, Just really thinking about all the steps you would take to maintain cleanliness and as much as you can avoid enclosed spaces with other people. Okay, quickly, then what about after you get off the flight um, and you've you've hit your destination? Yeah, so this is a big issue. I think for a lot of people, they want to travel to see loved ones who potentially are at higher risk of complications from COVID-19. So what do you do when you get there? And I think um, the experts that I spoke to said, if you need your risk to be zero, sorry, you can't travel. Um, there's going to be some risk in seeing loved ones. What you can do, you can take a longer trip. If you can quarantine for 14 days upon arrival, that would be very safe. Um, Most people probably can't travel and avoid seeing their loved ones for 14 days. So in that event, you want to be masked around your friends and family. Um, You want to maintain social distance from them. Probably don't stay in their home. Try to book a hotel or some other accommodation. Um, Wash your hands a lot. Maintain your masking around them. The average incubation period is about five or six days. So if you want to be really careful, you could wait five or six days before you see them at all and really monitor yourself carefully for symptoms. If testing is available and you could test around days four and seven, experts tell me that would also give you a pretty good sense of whether or not you had contracted the virus on your flight. Okay. So finally, Sarah, what is your situation? Um, I believe you said that you did not take the trip. Um, Are you going to in the future? We're still thinking about it. It's, you know, it's a hard decision. And I think the way I feel about it seems to change day to day based on um, the new numbers of infections in the Bay Area and in California. As infections go up in the Bay Area, the likelihood that someone on my flight could be infected also goes up. So I've been thinking about that. I think you know, talking to people about this story and talking to the experts about this story both made me feel better and worse about flying. So I'm really not sure what we're going to do yet. Um, I'm leaning towards trying to take the trip later in the summer and then booking a hotel, staying there for six days 
and wearing masks um, and staying outside when I see my parents. And then maybe after a week or so, trying to stay with them for a couple days as well. Wow. All right, Sarah, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Fifth and Mission. Thanks to my guest today, Sarah Feldberg from the Chronicle Features staff. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.